Hey, it's Casey Coop, and you're listening to Casey's Freak Show podcast, where I talk to people living free from life's constraints. Today's guest is yet another radical free bitch that I love, Miss Lauren Rontala. I met Lauren through stand-up. She's primarily a writer and producer whose show Tiffany the Teenage Grim Reaper just won Best Animated Project at the New York Television and Film Festival. That was a mouthful. <laughs> Lauren's a voice of a generation of girls finding their own. Her projects frequently showcase non-cis straight white guys, which I love. And yeah, I'm just so happy to have you here. John Benet Ramsey. <laughs> Thank you so much. What an intro. Oh, I know. But I do I do love you. And I, I love all those things about you. Um, Thank you. I love you too. Hi. <laughs> We're just going to let out now. <laughs> um, so your show, Tiffany the Teenage Grim Reaper, just won that award um, at the New York TV and Film Festival. How was that? It was really cool and crazy because like b- before going to that festival, we couldn't get any interest in it really it was it was really it was bizarre that we went there and then everybody like we got such positive feedback from it and I was like oh what (laughs) so you were just like shopping it around on other like networks or something yeah we were shopping it around just like in Los Angeles and we couldn't really get anybody to bite but I think it's because they're since they screened it it wasn't like, oh, it's like a 16-year-old Grim Reaper. Do you get it? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, they could actually like, <laughs> see something. Yeah, it's very different than, I, I guess, when you watch it. Wait, I, what's the show about? And I ask that like I don't voice a character on it, <laughs> which I do. I got to be the bitchy girl, which is, like, my sacred dream. <laughs> um, I love it. But what for people who haven't seen it, what's it about? It's about uh, just, like, a normal, average, day-to-day life of a uh, 15 year old girl and she just happens to be a grim reaper <laughs> it's so fucking awesome well, thank you i love it yeah it's really funny um what inspired you to make the show um i grew up in a very small conservative um like traditionally christian environment and like did not fit in anywhere and it was so, kind of understood that i wasn't i didn't like believe what everybody around me believed but i couldn't say it out loud because i was kind like, of like the odd man out in that yeah i just like I couldn't fit into any place and that really confused people. And like I was thinking about it uh, earlier this week and it was like everybody kind of knew I wasn't a Christian, but I couldn't say it out loud. Oh, because, that's like, so weird. Yeah. Like if I that's said so it. That's so weird. It's kind of like being like gay in a small town. Like, right. People know, but you can't say it out loud. Exactly. Like I, I knew if I said it to my parents, they'd be like, well, I could get kicked out of the house or like sent to counselors or like conversion camps or something. So yeah. So I was like, well, I'll just like keep my mouth shut. And like, I know this is going to, this has to end someday. Like maybe I can move out. But because I was like kind of distant and like kind of nihilistically thought about the Christian environment and being like, this doesn't matter. I would be like in one breath being like, oh, you know, death is inevitable and we're all going to die and like you are not immortal but in the next breath be like did you hear like the new Bieber is like out now and people would be like okay weirdo like so people were either like drawn to it because they were like fascinated by like this freaky girl <laughs> or they like hated me because they You're didn't understand me. perfect for the podcast that's exactly where I started it was like I actually I think I've 
barely talked to you about this like before, but I grew up in a small religious town. Two, it wasn't like where you grew up where it was like a private school, but it was like just strangely like a small Oregon town where there was just a shit ton of churches and everyone believed and there was like the one kid who didn't and they were kind of shunned or those couple kids who didn't and they were weirdly shunned. And it was like cool to go to youth group, but like all I saw was the hypocrisy of it, mostly because I was different. Like I dressed different and I had a weird sense of humor and I was just weird to make everyone laugh. And I feel like, wow, like we're way more similar than I than I thought, like in that way. Um, But I didn't not believe in God. I just thought that all the religious people were fucking crazy. I think that I just saw so many things like within the church and within my family and like just the community as a whole that I was like, well, no one really believes this and we're all lying to ourselves. So like, when is somebody going to come out and say it? But then you see like people who you're supposed to respect and people like older people. I always had this like big conflict of like female teachers who I actually respected and looked up to like English teachers and um, who like really were nice and sweet and obviously wise. But I was mm -hmm. like, don't you understand that like. Like there's like a cap on how how much you can know without asking questions and you're not allowed yeah. to ask questions. Oh, OK. And then it's like, well, the rest is up to God. Or yeah, like, it was so always just... uh, do your best and give God the rest. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> was the so saying. Cute. So I actually I wanted to ask you questions about that, but I will get to those later because I have a couple a whole bunch. Um, but as for your show, I know it's like geared toward kind of younger millennial girls and stuff like do you get feedback from girls I do and it's like the sweetest thing to like see oh. like high school girls be like where's Tiffany or like that's just like me or like oh. this is so cool and I'm like oh god let's be friends but then it's like so I can't great. just be friends with a bunch of like kids <laughs> 14 year olds yeah. <laughs> no I, I totally like when I was younger I'd like envision older versions of myself coming back and like consoling me and being like it'll get better mm-hmm. and that's always been sort of the underlying mission statement is just to become yeah. the girl I looked up to because I was extremely insecure even as of a couple years ago I had like no self-esteem and so I wanted to like actually become those women I looked up to who were like artists and comedians and musicians who just like seemed like they didn't give a fuck yeah and I feel like even just creating art that speaks to younger girls like I remember watching like teen movies as a teen and I was like none of these reflect what it's actually like in this day and age at all except for Mean Girls actually (laughs) at that time I was like wow like that one actually reflected it Mm -hmm. but none of them were even like I couldn't relate to as a teen girl like it was all about these girls like a lot of TV shows about girls like having a lot of sex I'm like we don't have sex in my town yeah yeah and I was like is this but growing up in a small town that was religious they make you feel like you're the freak like oh yeah like when you grow up there you're like am I the only one in the world like this yeah yeah and I still I think that a lot of people who come out of small towns like that like most of my really close girlfriends are like grew up in small towns and still have the whole thing of like I can't find like it's so hard for me to find communities and find groups that I relate to like but you exist so more people like us have to exist and it's I don't know if it's something that because it's it does feel kind of shameful to be like oh well I'm weird and no one else is like me but as soon as you say it then like three people are going to come forward and be like I feel that way too yeah probably like even with your show it's just like this awkward teenage girl because she's a grim reaper but I guess that would just like reflect how 
we all just felt different and yeah, like and yeah. like the, the black sheep is what I always felt like. Yeah, yeah. And then like we, that's so cool that you. I just I love the show. Oh, thank you. I loved being on the show. She was great. Casey's wonderful. Oh, I yeah. hire her for voice work. Yeah. <laughs> um. So at the at the festival, did you have any negative experiences there? Or was it like I saw that you were the only girl on one panel, so that's fucking badass. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, they what, told me as soon as I got off, they were like, "That looks bad," and I promise we have more female creators. We didn't realize that, and I was like, "No," and actually, like, played a part in like me explaining this. Like, it's an upward climb to like try to get to these places, and then even when you get there, you're like, "Who do I talk to once I'm here?" Because like, yeah, um, I did have there was one meeting that I was really excited about, and um, it just. I bombed. It was the worst meeting of my life. I like I I'm happy that I got it out of the way because now I'm more confident going in being like, OK, the worst thing that can happen is this. And it's yeah. not that bad. But no, like, totally. My my friend always reminds me of that when I have some fear. She's like, OK, she's actually kind of my mentor, but she's always like, let's talk through the fear. And then we go to like, what's the worst case scenario? And it's never actually as bad as you think. It almost like frees you of that fear. Yeah. For next time. Yeah. But I talked to you. On the f- Casey called yeah, me. I did. <laughs> I'm just bringing this up so you can talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I talked to you and Madison uh, Shepard, who's wonderful, uh, after that meeting happened. And it it was really, it happened the first day of meetings. And because uh, there was like three days. God, that must just, have like, been fucking scary. You're like, oh, this is what it's going to yeah. be like. Yeah. And that's how I felt. I was like in New York by myself. I didn't know what to do. So I just like got a salad, a $20 salad. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I just like was like, I'll take oh. this one. And they were like, it's going to be like 30 bucks. And I was like, okay. Just, I don't know. <laughs> so I was, it was raining and I was just sat on some like random stoop and this is like the, the most salad New York and, like, story that's ever been told. I was I, eating my $30 salad on a rainy stoop. On a rainy stoop and just crying, just like yeah. bawling my eyes out. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. But no, it's so it's, New York. It's somebody, I texted one of my friends and they were like, well, you're a real New Yorker now. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. But then, after like there was so yeah. much like outpouring of support and um I felt so much more confident going in because I was like well even if I bomb every single meeting here like I have a group of women who I'm gonna go back to and like Dude, feel supported so awesome yeah, when yeah. I first discovered Twitter like well when I first really got into it like six years ago five years ago I want to say um I was like leaning into that for a long time when I just felt really alone and like there weren't any, any other horny girls. Like it's weird. I made a bunch of horny girl friends on Twitter. Like not gay. We just were like horny. Yeah, yeah. And, like I was like, am I just gross? And I don't know. You find your communities finally, and it's like there, there's other weirdos like me. Yeah. It's the most relieving thing, and that's I'm I'm glad I can be a part of your LA weirdo family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm honored to have you. <laughs> Cause like I don't know like uh, I guess my LA family feels feels closer in some ways than my real one. Oh for sure, yeah, yeah. But oh sorry. So how did the rest of the meetings go in the panel? They were great. Um, all of everyone I met there was like so excited and wanting to talk, and like my age and gender didn't matter in a lot of the meetings, which is like a huge deal because on the meetings that I'd gone to before, it was like, well, who's going to be the showrunner? You know, you can't. Uh, who's going to voice Tiffany, you, you know, you can't. And I was like, wait, what? Like, it's like somebody taking your child away from you. Oh. But then I went there and they were like, no, like, you're the show. And like, this is like, if we didn't have you, then what would it be? And I was oh, like, so you mean oh. like they were like empowering you to like run your own show. That's yeah. fucking cool. Yeah, oh, I yeah. guess I never thought about that. Like, well, it was more know. it was more talk about like co-show running, like learning how to 
learning from like a mentor, but kind of being in it at the same time. And I was like, well, that's like the dream because so much responsibility. And obviously I've never show run anything bigger than like a YouTube series. So it was mm-hmm. like, I know I'm not like super equipped to do this, but I really want to. That's the thing is I feel like everyone in the business like learns on the job. Actually, most businesses, yeah. like a lot of them. Yeah. So it's like, I think that's all you have to do is like want it badly enough, it mm-hmm. seems. Um, so... Yeah, did you when you were on that panel? I, I think your friend also posted that you were the youngest. I I'm not sh- totally sure if I was, um, but it was a lot of like thirty and forty year old men who had made things, um, and a lot of so many of the shows. Like I just got to see that one block because it was just so busy. Um, but they had like five screenings in one block so I got to see like four other shows and they were all so good really they were so so good and it's really exciting to see like what could be the next like big yeah. thing so it was like this I didn't is even crazy. know there was like a television festival I didn't know that me existed. neither me neither how'd you hear about that uh snarled the company that I originally put Tiffany out on uh they submitted it for the festival like it's their 13th year of doing the festival so it was like awesome. very like well put together it's five people and the owner who like run it which is crazy when you think about there's like these huge networks that go to this thing that like six people put together that's crazy it's insane whoa um so what are they just like looking at tiffany right now like what's happening with it um i'm just going it's a lot of like the hardest part of this whole thing for me is waiting because I'm sp- yeah. not a patient person at all. Me too. It's so. literally the worst. I've been going out of my mind lately waiting on an email. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, but it's like that. It, it And it it's nice to have like, I know like, okay, 10 people are looking at it and like we got a couple no's, but the ones that we didn't say no yet are still looking at it. And like, because you just have to get it approved so, so many times before. Really? Yeah, because it's like, well, the assistant likes it, so they'll show it to their, like, development coordinator. The development coordinator likes it, so they'll show it to, like, an executive. The executive likes it, so they show it to somebody else. And, like, at any stage, somebody could say, I don't like that. So it's a lot of, like, okay, it's out of my hands, like... Wow, and it is your little baby, and it's yeah. such a good little baby, dude. I just, I'm actually just asking you because I'm so curious. I'm like, wow, I want to. That's amazing. I feel like you're someone who's doing because you're like 25, right? Mm-hmm. I just feel like you're doing so much. Like a lot of people I've met in LA, like everyone's talking the talk, but I feel like you walk the walk, and it's fucking admirable. Thank like, you. I, I literally like, it inspires me a lot. Thank like, you. I want to start working on things more. <laughs> um, so I actually, you know, we met through stand up. Um, are you still, are you doing much comedy right now? I just did a set uh, at Derek and Vanessa's show Avalanche. Oh, cool. Um, cool! I just did one, but I hadn't done it for like months, and I was really worried about it. But oh yeah, you did a set at my work Cheetahs before too. Yeah, that, I think that was the last show that I did before really? this one. Yeah, I was just like watching you. It was so funny because it was at Cheetahs, um, my my workplace, the strip club, and like Jack the Stripper was having this big event there with like, and it, it drew like not only sex workers, like famous sex workers, but like a huge uh, female crowd. And Lauren did the stand up. It was like a talent show, and it was so fucking funny. <laughs> I was just like, I'd never actually watched stand-up at my work before. But though they do film that show, um, This Is Not Happening, Mm -hmm. which is like a storytelling show on Comedy Central. They like rent out the club and use it for that. But it was my first time watching someone do stand-up on the stage where I just like shake my ass like all the time. (laughs) And I just loved it so much. Well, I was so happy you were there because I didn't, in my head, I texted people that day. I didn't realize that everyone else was was dancing. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, I thought that this was like 
a stand-up show. And so that day yeah, I was like... Yeah, because Jack does stand-up. Yeah. So I was like, what do I wear? Like, people expect me. <laughs> they're going to hate me because I'm staying fully clothed. So right before I went up, I was like, Casey, is it okay? Can I just pull my pants down <laughs> and do my whole set with my pants down? And you were like, yeah, as long as you have, like, bikini underwear on. And I had yeah. these Target granny panties on. <laughs> Even better. I just made it. <laughs> But it was great. I think that was... She literally did the set with her pants down. I was like, this is the best comedy I've ever seen. I've sat through 8,000 open mics and shows, and I'm like, this is the best comedy I've ever seen. Oh, thank you so much. You know what's, like, crazy is, like, when you... I don't know. Just, we've seen a lot of stand-up. I feel like guys, especially, like, gross guys, Mm -hmm. are really allowed to get shirtless in their sets Mm -hmm. and be just disgusting. (laughs) You know, like, they get away with that. But, like, if a girl is, like... I don't know, like what you did is just like put on your pants like goofily. I feel like if if that wasn't a room full of of women, it how would people received. respond? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally understand that. And then when you only because I feel like a lot of my material is about sex because that's like the most that's the most complex relationship I have with myself is like my yes. sexuality. Yes. And so like I like talking through it and I find little humor bits in it because like if you don't find the humor in it, then it's fucking depressing. Yeah. So it's like. <laughs> Okay, that's well, what, I want to talk does. about this. Yeah. yeah. But then once you get off stage and then you get a bunch of guys coming up, I'm like, I know this is weird, but and it's like, well, if you know it's weird, then keep it to yourself. And go away. Yeah. yeah, I did. I don't know how I put up with that for years. I think I was just drunk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I got sober, I'm like, oh, this is hard to deal with. Yeah. Like, and this meaning like the other comics, because going on stage, I still love and I'll always love. Oh, yeah. But I don't know if hanging around a lot of male comics is worth it to me anymore, like mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, but we met through stand-up. Yeah. Um, how did you get into comedy then? I My first like introduction to comedy was I used to run Lights and Sound at this venue in Nashville. And there was this group there called Corporate Juggernaut, which had like James Austin Johnson and Gary Fletcher and like oh, Sean cool. Parrott. Like very, very chill guys. And they just hosted open mics. Which Wait, this was in Tennessee? In Tennessee. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always wanted to do it. And like I would like work out little bits in my head. But at the time I was like 19 and they were in the, they were like 25. So to me, I was like, they're so cool. Yeah. Like the older kids. <laughs> I used to think that too when I first moved here. Like yeah. when people that were like four years older than me, I was like, they're gods. Yeah. Yeah. And so I didn't really ever do it. And then um, my friend Rebecca started hosting an open mic at this at this bar, The Crying Wolf. And I did like my first ever set. And I felt so amazing after it and was like, this is so fun. I want to keep doing it. And the more and more I did it, the more I was like, I just want to write. So um, then you just started making your own shows and like working for Snarled. Yeah, it started. Well, I initially moved to los angeles to make my comic 20 nothing into a live action show and so i started making little vignettes of like instead of like i would just put a comic strip into a script and then that would be the um the show and i really love all of those little they've never gotten a lot of attention or anything but like i love that that series so much mm-hmm. and like maybe one day can go back to it but it's so personal because it's just like things that happened to me um like what did you include in it um there's one where like <laughs> they all sound so bad <laughs> i just want to know so bad. so bad there's like one <laughs> of just like me getting drunk by myself on a saturday and like being like what the uh. f-? and like drunk dialing uh some guy and there's another one of uh like 
me on a date with somebody and then I end up blowing him in the car and like, <laughs> just like I have off. to take like spit it into a beer can and so I have to throw away the cans and then like a homeless guy drinks it the next day and I'm like, uh, uh but yeah, just like little bits like that, that like I found really funny, but for whatever reason, just didn't get the attention that they got or that I thought they deserved. I feel like all those like passion projects that we as artists, like we're like, oh, this I love it the most, but other people don't get it. Yeah. I feel like those will eventually take off because you think about like the indie cult like comedy shows that do well. Like mm-hmm. Community is the best ever and Freaks and Geeks, but those only lasted so long, but they're the best ever. Mm-hmm. It's weird. I'm like, no, but those are the best. And I, I believe you. I also totally relate to you talking about how like so much of your set and like what you wrote about was sex stuff. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I always felt like, is this hack? Because like for years I just yeah. been talking about dating and sex and dating and sex. But it, that's all I was fucking doing outside yeah. of stand up was yeah. just like fucking and trying to date. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you were talking about drunk dialing. Dude, like one time I... I was like drunk. Well, I was like on coke. I had been drinking, and it was like six a.m. The sun was coming up, and I drunk texted a guy or coke texted a guy oh my God. for dick. And I feel like that was like one of my rock bottoms because it's like the sun just came, came up, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, come over. Like, I, like, I probably looked like a crackhead. But yeah, like I just all those times is like. I don't know. That's what I talk about in my stand up. Yeah. What but, else am I gonna fucking? But talk like, about? it's so it's kind of this crazy thing that like. I feel like all women want to talk about it because, like, it's all dudes talk about. And then women have this really fucked up relationship with sex because it's like if you come from a place like I came from where you're supposed to hate yourself and hate your body. And that's actually what I was going to ask you you about. Um, I was going to bring that up was. So how did how did growing up? Was it in Christian school? Mm -hmm. Um, How did that affect your view of your sexuality and yourself as a woman? Um. Well, there it was like, like, I remember somebody got detention because they like, like publicly took a tampon out. Like what? Yeah. Like uh, some like in the middle of the hallway or like, yeah, like in in a class, like took it out and was like, okay, I'm going to go. And the teacher was like, there are boys in this room, blah, blah, blah. Like you had to if if your shorts were too short or your skirt was too short, obviously, like you'd get in trouble for that. And it was like it was always we kept having like monthly meetings with like the mm-hmm. youth pastor being like you are distracting boys um like this is your fault you're making that like you're distracting them from their studies and from athletics and like did you guys have the fingertip on. rule where the skirts and the shorts had to be at least fingertip length we did um the most the most bizarre one was i realized we had to wear collared shirts and like the specific shorts or uh, skirts every day and um, I realized that if I wore a sweatshirt, like a school sweatshirt, a uniform sweatshirt over my shirt, then I didn't really have to wear the shirt. And the sweatshirt was a lot more comfortable. And I just mm-hmm. haven't worn a bra for forever because it's like, what? They're what? so uncomfortable. I stopped wearing them. They're so uncomfortable. And also like nothing, if it, if anything on me sags, that's like the last thing that I'm worried about. Because no. like, it's just, there's nothing, there's not a lot there, guys. Yeah. Like, calm yeah, down. Same. So uh, I didn't wear... Uh, shirt or a bra under the sweatshirt uh-huh. and then there was one day that the headmaster realized that people weren't wearing shirts under it and he would just go up to people and be like lift your lift your sweatshirt up <gasps> what? and I remember just like dodging him all day and being like oh my god because I was like if this happens I will get in so much trouble not that he would but that I yeah, would that's extremely creepy too yeah. to yeah. do what yeah but that was like totally normal and like what that was the way of it but then later we uh it was found out that the one of the headmasters or like uh principals had been 
embezzling money from the church for so long that naturally he embezzled seven million dollars and shit. is in federal prison now yeah i saw your facebook status about that i was mm-hmm. gonna ask about it so that's why he went to prison mm-hmm. oh not the creepy stuff but the embezzling oh, this money was, stuff this was a different guy oh yeah. wow there's a lot of there's great lot of- headmasters dude at my school it wasn't a christian school it was like a small town public school but like i said a heavily moralistic town AKA like men dominated and women were quiet. And there was this one teacher in high school who was like just so overtly creepy. Mm-hmm. He literally would like go around the halls with a camera and take pictures of the students. Like, haha, cut you, cut you, got pictures of you. Uh, but it was like 85% were pictures of teenage girls yeah. in school, not the boys. Yeah. And not only that, he hung the pictures like, like coated the walls of his classroom with them so he was he was this math teacher in high school I, maybe he even still fucking works there i don't know Ugh. who's like the walls of the classroom were covered in pictures of teenage girls i'm not joking that is so crazy and my friend i won't name her but she like got really busty at a very young age like she mm-hmm. had really big tits mm-hmm. and he would just massage her shoulders no. Ugh, while she was taking a test like stuff like that just yeah. flew it just flew yeah and I, like i don't know i just remember that because you say like dodging him in the hallways was like i used to dodge that guy in the hallways so that he would not take a picture of me yeah but then he could tell i was so I, it made him want to do it so more. he chased yeah. like literally chased me more yeah. is it and i was like 16 17 years old what the fuck how does that stuff still fly dude I think it's just that like small town thing. That was the other big thing was people always threatened to sue the school because it was always like little things that they did that were fucked up. But Mm -hmm. uh, the school's private. So since it's a private institution, you can't it's not run by the state at all. So nothing is regulated. So it's like that's whoa, that's where how it works. Because obviously the mixing church and state thing, that's totally. Yeah. So that's separate. They get away with a bunch of stuff like that. But also, like, we never had sex ed. Uh, We had. We didn't either. We had abstinence only education. We watched the video series True Love Waits for 10 weeks. What's that? It's (laughs) an abstinence series taught by this, like, 40 year old man who's like, if you ever sleep with uh, anyone outside of, like, your husband, then your husband won't want you. And, like, just really all these things that, like, I look back and at the time, I remember sitting next to my best friend. And in my head being like, well, this is bullshit. Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. everybody in this room knows it's bullshit. Mm -hmm. And then looking over and her, like, taking notes and me being like, what is happening? Like, you really feel feel crazy. You feel crazy. I felt the same way. I was like, why is everyone going along with whatever? Like, well, sometimes my friends would drag me to, like, youth group at their church because that was, like, the popular thing to Mm -hmm. do. And I just went for the the free pizza. I went, like, twice. (laughs) And I just remember looking in the room and everyone, like, had their hand in the air and they were singing and, Mm -hmm. like, they were all, like, 15 or whatever. And I was like, but I don't don't feel that way. Well, it's hard because, like, at that age, all you want is to fit in. And so, like, first of all, I keep looking back on when I was younger and, like, really trying to, like, align my beliefs with theirs. There was this one girl who was just dumb as a rock, like... bless her but she she like really loved her family and loved Jesus and like she was she like became a cheerleader at a university it was just like just a good southern gal and in my head I remember being like okay God if you are there if there is a God just make me as just make me a little dumber like if I can just be as like not thinking about things as much as her I would have such a happier life like I would fit in and people would like me yeah Dude, same. Like, <laughs> I always just like, if I was just a little dumber. <laughs> All right. On on that <laughs> on the note of wanting to be stupid, let's let's take a break.
Hey, welcome back to Casey's Freak Show with Lauren Rontala. And a big thank you to my producer, Mason Booker, always just in the background being my goddamn hype man. <laughs> Love him. So we're here at Meltdown Comics at 7522 Sunset Boulevard. And we're here with Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Hi. Welcome back. Um, So, oh, yeah. So we kind of left off talking about your Christian roots and that whole sh- like shame-heavy way you were brought up. So did when you when you moved away did you get super into like <laughs> sin or like you were you were sleeping around you've been yeah um i think i was it's kind of crazy cuz like when i think about like when i graduated high school and like went kind of crazy i didn't initially do that like i started dating someone i was dating somebody for two two of the last years of high school and then i dated somebody else for um, two years in college and then after that I was like what am I doing and that's when I really was just like I'm gonna do everything and I'm yeah. gonna try everything and blah, blah, blah. but I'm really happy that like I had that kind of normal see for my younger younger years I feel like we have the same path weirdly because <laughs> in college I had this like three and a half year or maybe like three year relationship and then I moved to LA and I was like I feel like when I see you like post on Instagram, I'm like, that was younger me. Aww. Just like going out and like being fucking bad little bitch, like <laughs> drinking, being a little hoe. I mean, I really I'm happy that I had all these experiences because I'm like, well, I know like now when I go to a party, I'm like, OK, I'm not going to do that because I know how that feels. And like, I'm not going to. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, I never thought that. I just ended up drunk in the other room <laughs> while there was like 50 people in the other room and they watched me drag a guy in there who was way younger than me. OK. Oh, no. <laughs> and then he couldn't get it hard. OK, that's a whole aye, different aye. story. Um, so you don't feel shame as much anymore, do you, from your upbringing? No, I think once I realized it really like clicked, especially when I moved out here like by myself and was like, well, I came out here for a reason to like get to work. And that's why I'm so like work re- like heavy. But um, I when, when I'm thinking back to like all of these relationships and things that I've had out here, like every single one that I've had here has meant something to me. And like I still will think about even if I'm like bitter about like different things. I'm like, well, that's something that I have to work on because like that's not their problem. It's my problem. Um, that's way more mature than I was at 25. <laughs> I was like, they have problems. <laughs> My problems are they just can't handle a strong woman. Yeah. I was always on that bend, but like, no, I was a psychopath. Like, of course. But I mean, would... there is like, there there is that element of like people who can't handle you. It's, it's usually because like they're insecure about themselves because you're so much and they're, they don't think that much of themselves. They're, oh yeah, that's definitely an element, but I'm just like, for years I kind of, I, I was a bad guy. Oh, no. Like, I, I was like a monster. And yeah. so I just blamed everybody else. But also, but there was an element. Yeah, like you said, like when I did get sober, I did, like, I just started behaving like a human, like a, an adult. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I, I was dating around, and you would notice guys that just couldn't handle the fact that I was a stripper. Like, mm-hmm. that's definitely a thing. Or being an opinionated woman. Like, I have guy friends who have way, way, like, I guess we might not be friends anymore. Just backed off away from me after seeing my Facebook posts, <laughs> which are way less like mean and yeah, aggressive than weird. they used to be. Yeah, but they're feminist. And mm-hmm. the guys in my life, I was just hanging out with some the other night and it was like a bunch of male guy friends and me. And I just was like, oh, this isn't fun anymore. Like one of them made a weird comment about how 
the girl he held hands with in a commercial was 14 and he's like oh in his 20s and I'm like what was what was that comment like why'd you say that in that way you know and I feel like I just like how do I reconcile my feminism with like my guy friends like I feel like I just don't have guy friends anymore oh me neither I mean the only people who I always joke around that like they're my two dads are Eric DeDorian and Paul Danke. Oh, I always see that. Yeah, I, I love them. them. They're oh, great. Geez. Yeah, <laughs> they're the best. They're great. But I mean, apart from apart from like people like that in comedy who are like just in really healthy relationships and like know what they're doing and don't view me as like anything other than a friend and like mm-hmm. a comic. Yeah. Um. I don't really fuck around with anybody like that because I'm like, and it sucks because you're just cutting all these people out of your life. But at the same time, it's like you have to protect yourself in this weird way. And like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's, I'm not saying it's good. I'm still trying to like figure that out myself. Yeah. I basically like after I got sober, I I, I saw how a lot of my male quote unquote friends were not in fact friends and but they were just predators and. I was just very much a mess and I invited that into my life and now I've learned some pretty awful things about at least two of them that I that I've cut out of my life mm-hmm. um two male comics and I'm not even like mourning the loss of them I think I'm just like sad because I actually believed that they were my friend right yeah because <laughs> I'm a smart girl and I I've always been like oh keep you know guys who weird me out an arm's length but some just when you're like very like suicidal they just swoop in yeah they want to save the day and by save the day I mean probably manipulate me. yeah um so yeah I was gonna ask I know that before you did comedy you were involved in music in the music mm-hmm. industry how how was that like what happened in that and when was that time in your life um I when I was 13 decided that I was gonna be a songwriter and that was it and like my whole life was gonna be dedicated to songwriting and for a little bit, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a singer, too. But then I was like, no, I just I think I realized then that I would put myself in a dangerous situation in the same way that like now I also like being behind the scenes. I don't want to be the center of attention because like when you are you you put yourself in this place where people can really pick at your sanity and like, yeah, really... holy fuck that. <laughs> I just realized that. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, I like... really actualized that. Yes. Um, But for a long time, I got I went to school for songwriting. And that's why I went to Nashville. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And then after three years, I dropped out because I got signed on Music Row and started working as a songwriter at Music Row. And um, my publishing company was amazing and they were really supportive. But again, I was just too much for them. I was like submitting tapes every day and like, let me work, let me work. And they were like, well, you don't write country. And I was writing like jazz and blues and like trying to maybe make it into pop for, through like jazz and blues. Mm-hmm. And um they were like, well, we can't really sell that. Like, if you want to be a songwriter, or like a staff writer, then you have to write country. And I was just like, oh, this is so boring. I can't say anything besides, like, I wrote one country <laughs> song just to prove to them that I could do it. It was just like, my truck on a Friday night. And, like, <laughs> and they were like, this like, is great. And I was like, oh, You just God. pulled it out of your ass. Like, yeah. And I was Strung like, a bunch oh. of cliches together. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but that's what bro, bro country unquote was the thing that got really big as I was leaving like we get pitch sheets and every month you get like a pitch sheet of what people were looking for and it was all like we went Florida Georgia line like and I was like oh Oh, it's really that formulaic yeah yeah really well that makes sense but uh, that's kind of a a shock to actually hear (laughs) yeah Uh, but a lot of my friends who were doing kind of like jazzy pop and like 
different kinds of music were uh, writing for this one publishing company. And I was like, I really want to get in with them. And I had started dating somebody from over there, like separately, um, who we started making music together. And he was not a great guy. He was just like a big kid, basically. But (laughs) we were like, he was like 22 and I was like 20. Like, you're just young and yeah. Um, But he, once we stopped making music together, I was like, you know what? I don't want to leave this environment just because like I broke up with someone. So like maybe I can also be a staff writer here. And so I kept just hanging out at the office and being like, oh, hey, like was working on this. Here's the tape, blah, blah, blah. And uh, finally the owner of it was like, oh yeah, I really like your music. I want to write, just like come to my studio and write. And I was like, okay, because that's not who, who was? That's well, you don't have to say long. who he is, but, like, was he older? And... He was in his 60s. Oh, man. And he had a daughter that went to the same school I went to, and she was, like, five years older than I was. Okay. So, like, I didn't think anything about it. Um, so I go to his studio, and it's attached to his house, and it's, like, later at night, uh, it was, like... But I figure, like, this is when he can actually write. Like, cause actually, like, a lot of my songwriter person. friends or just, like, DJ friends who cut music, like, it's always late at night. That's, yeah. like, the hours for a musician, I feel like. Right. So it wasn't, like, super abnormal. And we, like, sat by a piano and wrote for, like, an hour or so. We're drinking, like, Nashville's, like, you just drink. Like, Yeah, I've also drink. heard, like, in the music industry, it's just, like, constant drugs and drinking. That's, like... That's, like... I didn't even think about, like, the music industry part of it because, like, Nashville, you just drank. Like, you drink whiskey. That's it. Like, so we were just, like, drinking whiskey and then all of a sudden he, like, stopped and he was like, let's take a break. And I was like, okay, cool. And so we're just, like, shooting the shit and he starts asking me about, like, personal questions about my family that's, like, really touchy for me. Yeah, and so I was like, okay, like, all right. And so I kind of just, like, got quiet and then he was like, well, just, like, come over here and sit on this couch with me. And I was like, okay. And And he just, like, pulled my legs up and started like feeling all over my legs and then went into my jeans and I was like I'm I was wearing these like really short denim shorts Mm -hmm. and he he was like oh is this okay and I was like what is happening so like like, after he started yeah yeah it's interesting what's not interesting it's obviously (laughs) a tactic and I mean I'm sure you've read all these fucking articles about Louis CK coming out it's been so like I, I know that this word is like overused now but like this whole year has been like Mm -hmm. the biggest trigger for me with Mm -hmm. like sexual assault and abuse and really realizing like I'm I'm happy it's happening obviously and I think everyone is but it's a mixed feelings thing it's so because like half of these situations I don't like that is something that I can feel comfortable being like you know what this person did this and like you need to steer clear of him and like I did I didn't complicate this at all this is like a cut and dry he abused his power um but in other situations it's like more complex when you have relationships with powerful people Mm -hmm. or like if you like so much assault when I was younger was like fuzzy it was like well we were both drunk so it doesn't like it makes you blame yourself easier um yeah but it's I guess when you said he asked you if it was okay after he was touching you it's just like the Louis thing, like over and over. I, and men are writing on the car- articles I'm reposting about the Louis C.K. stuff. They're like, well, the women consented. They didn't leave. And of course, like, you know, I think that's just like miseducation on what consent is, yeah. which if it's not an enthusiastic yes, then it is a no. Right. And also to start doing something. And, and it's 
interesting because Louis also said, well, I, I asked him. So. Right. And it's like, but you had already made them uncomfortable by beginning to pull out your dick or with this guy beginning to touch you that like so some girl actually posted about it that like the f- the freezing reaction to just freeze, freeze still. Yeah. Yeah. Freeze and appease. That is actually like. It's the most common. It's like, like reaction, like free, for, to keep yourself safe. Yeah. You know, I see, sounds stupid, but I see my dog do it sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when we're outside with other bigger dogs or whatever. It's just like it's something you do as a creature. Like mm-hmm. you're, because your brain it, is like. In my mind, it's like, well, the worst thing that can happen is like I am touched or I d- do something that I don't want to do. Like the worst thing that can happen if I like fight this is I could physically get very hurt. Yeah. they're Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. So it's almost like stay still. Don't, don't make a ruckus. Yeah. Like don't, don't make them angry. Because if they're already capable of doing something so disgusting, like it, they, I'm sure it's just scary to think about what they could do. Right. So you were with this guy that you really looked up to, mm-hmm. and he was touching you. And what happened? I just like found an excuse to leave, or like was like, oh, it's late. Like his wife was upstairs sleeping. Oh like, my god. It was it was crazy, and so I left and just like cried all the way home. And I tried to keep doing music for like maybe six months or a year, and I like. They, they told me they were like, okay, just stay exactly the same. I, like, gained 20 pounds. They were like, keep your hair the same. I, like, dyed my hair. Like, looking back, I'm like, oh, I was really, like, participating in very self-destructive, like, doing exactly the opposite of what they wanted because, like, my, subconsciously I knew I had to get out of this environment. Yeah. And so, like, yes, it was yes, this. Yes, 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 It was this, like, equal push of them being like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, I'm. I'm moving to Los Angeles. And they were like, oh, like, we can hook you up with people there. And I was like, I'm moving to Los Angeles and I don't ever want to talk about music again. Like, it was yeah. like, a, I, I'm i done. Like, I, I'm... And it was hard to, like, verbalize because at the time, I didn't know what I was doing either. Mm-hmm. But now looking back, mm-hmm. obviously, I'm like, oh, this is a very clear, like... Yeah, it's always clear looking back on, like, the ways I reacted. I'm like, wow, I always just thought, I was crazy. I'm crazy. Yeah. But there was a lot of things leading up to that quote-unquote crazy. Mm-hmm. And I was even just thinking about the other day how, like, you know how, like, everyone's like, oh, her, his crazy wife or his bitchy girlfriend, yeah. you know, like, we're always put in those positions. And when I was hanging out with all these guys the other day and I was the only girl in the room and uh, my boyfriend was there, I felt at one point like I had reacted to something and I had to leave for a minute and Eric had to come outside to talk to me. And I was like, oh, this is where that plays in where, like, everyone calls you crazy, like, oh, pfft. Eric's crazy girlfriend or whatever and it was actually about certain things that one of the guys had said that made me really uncomfortable Um, part of it being that 14 year old actress thing that was really gross but it wasn't just that and it was like other things like you know this is like boys night you know like something where it's just like implied like no girls allowed like we're in fucking grade school but, like, I see how, like, guys always call us crazy, and it's like, but they're pushing us past our limits constantly. Yeah. Or just alienating us on purpose. Right. And they're like, oh, what are you, fucking weirdo? Like, Well, because it's, like, that manipulative thing of, like, I'm going to make you feel like an outcast and then call you an outcast. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. okay, well, yeah, you did this whole, th- like, I didn't have any mm-hmm. say in this. Yeah, and on a good day, if I'm, like, my most bestest, shiniest Casey, I'm like, whatever, dude, roll off my back. But I'm not perfect, and every day's right. not shiny. I'm yeah. a human, and I have feelings. So, yeah, you left music, and I don't blame you. It's it's interesting. I, I guess I feel weirdly the same about stand-up, and it was just, it wasn't one, one concrete moment. Mm-hmm. It was a bunch of little blurry ones that yeah. we talked about. Um, so how is your mental health these days? Like we, we really get into it on the podcast. Like I feel like I always have like women on mostly and I know like you're posting about 
that you were winning this award at the mu- or at the TV festival and you were just calling the suicide hotline a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Like, I just, I didn't know that you were struggling. Like, how has that been? Yeah, it's hard. I, it, it's just hard being a young person in a city with no family. Like, I have my sister in Nashville, but that's it. And uh, so once I... I left this job that I had been at for years and years and was like, or for two years, which feels like a very long time yeah, for me. Years and years. Years literally. and years and years. Uh, I know. I've been stripping for two and a half. And like, years and years. <laughs> years and years. And guys always look at me like at the club when I tell them that they're like, oh, like that's like yeah. horrible that I've been there that long. I'm like, this is the longest I've held down a job. Shut up. <laughs> it's actually very impressive, yeah. so leave me the fuck alone. I'm uh, growing up. Um, <laughs> no, but that is a long time. Yeah, so I left that job, and like that that community felt like a little family, and so cutting that out was like, oh, fuck, and then mm-hmm. not having any safety net. When you jump, like take a big risk like that, um, like I didn't know that Tiffany was going to take off. I didn't know that any I would have meetings with people I have meetings with now. Like it, it was very much a like, uh, okay, like I'm just jumping off this cliff and seeing if I have wings at this point. And I got so so low and was just uh, also dealing with all of these. I was talking to somebody today about like all of the sex issues that are coming out, and she was like, "Oh yeah, but you know that." You, nothing like that would ever hurt your career. And I'm like, yeah, but like the dark ages, like a couple months ago when like nobody was talking about <laughs> it. Dark like, ages. It, it was a different story. So I was like, you know what? I am just like, you You know, when you get in that headspace, when your kid brain reemerges, when you let it like take over your brain and you're, you're just like, you know what? I am unsuccessful. I'm broke. I'm in debt. Oh, and I'm just so a whore. Times. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I was there so many times. It's And so yeah. many people like, especially in the comedy community, no one says those horrible things, but it, it comes out through actions of, like, snubbing you or, you know, not in, not being inclusive or, like, purposefully you, doing things that you're just like, I'm sorry, like, I, I'm sorry, like, They kind of, like, feel your insecurities. Right, and then they yeah. exploit them, and it's, like, it's not, it's not anything to be, like, the comedy community is bad or, like, these people are bad. It's, like, this is the environment that we've that's been created for so many years of women constantly trying to like be the one in the room or, you know, I know. So I was, I was just like in such a dark place and called the suicide hotline and I'm very happy I did. And I would recommend it. Oh, I'm happy you did too. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw your post about it and I was like, Lauren said she was so happy. (laughs) Well, that's the other thing is like, I don't have like, I have a lot of problems ex- expressing myself well, and so that's why I do like comics and illustrations and comedy because it's mm-hmm. like easier to laugh about things than it is to like sit down and really be serious. Totally, because, yeah. Like, if if I sit down and I'm serious with you, there's there's a good chance that I'm gonna mentally break in public, and like I can't do that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so open mics though, where like toward the end of my drinking career I would just be I remember sitting at one and just crying on a mm-hmm. couch like mo- like twice I remember yeah. there's been times also in my early sobriety where I was giving a lap dance while I was crying the guy didn't notice it was just like very like <laughs> subtle <laughs> but like <laughs> but I get it I get it yeah. and like we all feel crazy but we're not I think like LA's a lonely city I think pursuing entertainment as a career is really fucking scary mm-hmm. And I think we all go through that. But it's like, 
Actually, I want to get to my question I ask all my guests um, because I guess talking about the things that hold us back or the things we fight through, how what does being free mean to you? Hmm. Like, how does it apply today in your life? I think once right now I'm really struggling with um, sex, and I th- I think that freedom in my mind used to mean like financially, and now I just think it's like becoming becoming like a confident whole woman, like not just a person but a woman, because I think before it was always like yeah I'm like a badass woman and that makes me like the greatest person and now it's like no like that's not you you can't like compartmentalize and be like you have to be like a hard edgy girl in order to matter like I want to be able to talk about Justin Bieber and not be looked at like your little sister like well I love Justin Bieber too everybody does I'm a hard edgy girl (laughs) I definitely look back on yeah my earlier 20s when I was trying to be hard trying hard to be really cool Mm mm-hmm and edgy, like you said. But i it's funny now, I guess, that I'm a little older. I'm like, oh, the edgiest thing is just to be yourself. Like, yeah. your weird self. The yeah. self I was always so ashamed of growing up. Like, yeah. But now I'm like, no, that's actually, like, really badass. Because, like, the reality is if everybody was just themselves, it would be the cool thing. But, like, once you aspire to be this one specific kind of person that you have in your brain that's Mm -hmm. cool, you stop relating to everyone and Mm -hmm. then you isolate yourself. Yeah. And then you, like, become a fake version of yourself. Yeah. Or I think... But I think all those phases and all those times of me trying to be something, like, I had to do. And just, like, all the awkward hookups and... The weird sex capades. I I think it just gets messy in your twenties. I think life is messy, mm-hmm. but I don't know how people go through their life like getting married at eight, eighteen, and that's the only person they've slept with, and the just the unknowing. Right. It's like life's fucking painful. The growing spurts and the trials and tribulations, but especially the sex stuff, dude. I relate to that. It's so tough right now. Like I, I, I that set that I just did the other day. I went on stage. It was the first time I'd ever said the word sexual violence out loud. And yeah. I the rest of the set was so fun and that show was so great. I went home and threw up. Really? I just like and I was like, I don't know what's wrong with my roommate was like, Are you sick? Like what's going on? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not sure. And I think that my body is like playing catch up with all the stuff that's been buried in my mm-hmm. mind. And I'm just like dealing with that all at once is so it's just so much. It's like, I don't think guys understand what all of us are going through right now. I, I mean, they're seeing all of our posts and our tweets and right. our our anger come out. But I'm definitely struggling as a funny writer to be funny. I yeah. feel like all my posts are pretty serious and anger driven. But it used to be like for years and years, it's just coping. Like, oh, turn the thing I'm pissed about into a joke. Yeah. And I feel like I'm struggling to do that lately because I'm just too pissed yeah. all the time. So, yeah, it's like. Your body's probably having a reaction to you, yeah, like re-feeling everything again. Right. And I think that it's like what I – the only thing that's getting me through, like, that I'm able to write is I'm only writing for women at this point. Oh, like, yeah. That's that's what I was saying earlier about your projects. It's like mm-hmm. not 
a bunch of white dudes or cis white dudes. Yeah. Well, I mean, before, like, just six months ago, people were like, be less edgy, be less female, like, be less gross. This won't sell. And now they're like, be edgier. Be blah, blah. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's fine with me. Yeah. So funny. It took years to get there. I know. People are so dumb. Um, But on a great note, you're now working as a producer at Super Deluxe. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about that. That's actually, like, so incredible. Oh, thank you. It's very, very cool. Everybody there is, like, I walked in and it was it's so intimidating because everybody's just a hot genius. Like what? there's they're just like really like they are so cool. And like the girl that I work with um in Instagram is like she is so amazing. And I've been following her on Tumblr since I was like nineteen and I didn't oh my realize God, that's so cool. And she was like, Oh no, that's my account and I was like, <gasps> What? Like <laughs> what? Like they're all just like geniuses that really? have been like like she went to Pratt and like does this wow. very specific kind of like it's crazy, but um, everybody there is so supportive, and it's just such a, like, building each other up environment. Oh, God, that must feel so good. And a bunch of women, like, a oh. ton of women. So, like, oh, yeah. That's so, like, rare to hear about in entertainment. Yeah. Um, I feel like in writers' rooms, it's always, like, you see, even, like, I'll see photos of writers' rooms on Instagram of, like, friends I know, and there's, like, always one woman. Yeah. <laughs> the, the token woman. Um, do you feel like... A lot of guys' stories are told, or like you said, you are creating stuff for women or with women. Um, what kinds of stories do you want to tell yourself? I think just stories that, like, obviously, like, you write what you know kind of thing. Like, if I am able to talk about, like, gender and religion and, like, politics and stuff, like, that's enough to fill, like, three lifetimes. Yeah. <laughs> but then also giving the platform to, like... I went to when I was in New York I was staying with my friend in bed and it was like such a the gentrification was like so noticeable and like this guy came up to me last day I was there and he was like how long have you been a part of this community and I was like oh I'm just visiting and he was like oh okay like <gasps> totally changed and he was like have you seen this have you seen this and I realized it's because he thought that I was like moving in and he was like no I was gonna like jump you but now like yeah be safe he was like now you're okay on this block like I'll I'll Whoa. be looking out for you and I was like Oh, God. And so, like, when I came back, I was like, this is so, like, this is so crazy. And I think that doing that series, that Race in America series was, like, it, I was, I learned so much from it. And now I'm, Yeah, you were, talk about that a little bit. It was something that you were animating, I remember, Mm -hmm. featuring comedians. Was it just comedians of color? Yeah, it was just, uh, not even just comedians, like, pretty much anybody entertainment, um, like people of color just came on and tell their stories and I would animate them. Yeah, that was so cool. I loved it. It was like I learned that's the one project I learned so, so much from just as a person and was like, I need to start paying attention to this. But then coming back from New York, Mm -hmm. I was like, I really I think that was like a big wake up call to be like, listen, you can keep obviously keep telling your story. But like if you have a platform, use it wisely and like let other people share their stories, too. Because like so awesome, because like even for me, the last year or two I've just learned so much more about my own white feminism Mm -hmm. or white feminism in general right um because you're not aware of it until people bring it to your attention that like okay so yeah like we're women and we're marginalized but we're also white so we have a lot of privilege that I didn't even know about like I didn't realize growing up because I'm like well I we didn't have much money. So. Right, right. But really, there's so much more privilege there that I never have to deal with a lot of what people of color have to deal with. So it's it's been awesome. Just like I think you and I have a lot of the same friends mm-hmm. who definitely keep us like 
keep just like keep educating us because yeah, like yeah. I didn't know. I grew up in Oregon, which is hella white, mm-hmm. and like, but I never felt like I fit in there. And I I just feel like so much happier with my LA peoples, you know, mm-hmm. who keep me like educated and keep me challenged. Because fuck, I didn't know before. Mm-hmm. There's a lot I didn't know. Same, same thing, same thing. Yeah. Um. So I guess. Just to lead out, oh yeah, like what's your dream job then? What do you want to work in ultimately? Um, my dream would be to pro- write and produce my own content and run a production studio and like get to handpick the projects because like I see so, especially like people we came up with in stand up. Like I know a lot of us don't do stand up anymore, but it's because a lot of us are writing now and a lot of yeah. us are like getting gigs, which is so cool to see. But it's like I want to. I want to keep working with everybody and I want to like make a lot of projects with everyone. Totally. I know. I feel like doing stand up for a couple years, there was just like those people that stood out to me that I'm like, they need a career. They're so special. And oftentimes I feel like the women, the queer people, the people of color, um, or even like, I don't know, just think like knowing sex workers too, like. I see the ways that we're undermined and our voices are cut out. Mm -hmm. And I just like want to help. Like I want to bring up people with me. Yeah. yeah. I just like, oh, that's just the dream. Um, So yeah. Rising tide lifts all waves. Oh, I love you. You're so awesome. Um, Where can people find teenage, or I'm sorry, where can people find Tiffany the Teenage Grim Reaper and your stuff? Uh, Right now, Tiffany is all unsnarled. If you just Google Tiffany the Teenage Grim Reaper, the playlist comes up. And uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Lauren Rantala. Did I say your last name wrong? Oh, I didn't know. That's how you said it. Oh, that's okay. I don't even I don't even pay attention to the last name thing anymore because it's like you're like the original pronunciation is different than how we pronounce it now because it's like Americanized and we're like oh, just say whatever you want because okay. <laughs> my real last name is Koopenbender and that was just like always a struggle my whole life it was like Casey Koop easy it's oh, easy oh I didn't know that yeah it's German no one knows mm-hmm. secret I like my stripper name <laughs> Dakota. Um, okay. So thank you once again to Meltdown Comics and Lauren and Mason. This has been an awesome episode of my freak show. Bye.